Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. My name is Simon, but people often refer to me as Simon the Leper. I'm not proud of that nickname, but it's the truth, and it's a reminder of who I used to be and how far I have come. I was once afflicted with leprosy, a disease that ravaged my body and left me an outcast from society. I had a privileged upbringing. My father was a man of status and wealth. We were well-known and well-respected in the village of Bethany. I had studied with the Pharisees and even considered the possibility of serving in the temple. Then one day, I found these white splotches on my skin. At first, I covered them with my cloak so that no one else would notice, but they got worse. And then my vision started to blur in one eye, and my fingers began to curl. When I could hide it no longer, my father insisted that I go and show myself to a priest. The dreaded prognosis was made sometime later. I had leprosy. Most lepers were cast out of cities and villages, condemned to spend the rest of their lives in camps. But because of my family's standing, I was allowed to move into a house at the edge of town where I lived by myself. Servants would leave food for me at the doorstep, and at times my mother and my sister would come and speak to me from outside my bedroom window. It was a lonely existence, but at least I was not forced to fend for myself in the wilderness. But that all changed when Jesus came into my life. I had heard about him before, of course. His reputation preceded him, and I had heard all kinds of stories about the miracles he had performed. But I never thought that he would take notice of someone like me, someone who was considered unclean and unworthy. But that's exactly what happened. One day, Jesus came to Bethany. My sister brought me the news, and then she told me something else that was quite shocking. She was coming to my house. At first I was hesitant. I didn't want to expose this man to my disease, and I didn't want to risk infecting someone else. But something inside me told me that this was my chance, my chance for a new beginning. It was about the third hour when I heard the crowd gathering outside my house, and then I heard someone call my name in a firm and authoritative voice, Simon. I didn't recognize the voice, but I knew it must have been Jesus. So I took a deep breath and went to meet him. And when he saw me, he didn't turn away in disgust. He didn't condemn or judge me for my affliction. Instead, he reached out. He took his hand and touched me. No one had touched me in years. And in that moment, I felt a warmth and a love that I had never experienced before. And just like that, I was healed. The leprosy that had plagued me for so long was gone and I was restored to health. It was a miracle, a true miracle. From that moment on, my life was never the same. I became a follower of Jesus. At times, I would travel with him as he preached the good news throughout the land. I saw him perform many miracles, heal many more people like myself, and feed many who were hungry. I heard him teach about the love of God and the coming kingdom of heaven. And through it all, I knew that I had been blessed. Jesus often came to Bethany. He was friends with people who were also close friends of mine. Mary, her sister Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Ah yes, Lazarus. I'll never forget that day Lazarus got sick. He was one of my closest friends. We'd all grown up together, but as soon as he felt ill, we knew it was serious. His sisters were beside themselves with worry and fear, and we all gathered 
around them, offering what support we could. But despite our prayers and our best efforts, Lazarus grew weaker and weaker, and then one day, he simply passed away. I can't describe the devastation we all felt at that moment. It was like part of us had died along with him. And yet even as we mourned and grieved, there was something else happening, something strange and powerful and miraculous. Word had reached Jesus about Lazarus' illness, and even though he was far away, he came to us as quickly as he could. I remember watching him approach the tomb, seeing the look of determination and sorrow in his face. I can't be sure, but I even think I saw him cry. And then to our amazement, he called out to Lazarus by name, and the dead man rose from the grave, still wrapped in the burial cloth, but very much alive. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. It was even more profound than my own healing, and it gave me even deeper appreciation for Jesus. Little did I know that I would witness to even greater things. Sometime later, I learned that Jesus was staying in Bethany. I sent word to my friend Lazarus and asked him to invite Jesus and his disciples to come for a meal at my house. It turned into a big party. Even some of the Jewish scribes and elders were there. As Jesus reclined at the dinner table, a woman I did not recognize, and who had not been invited, came in. She was carrying an alabaster box. She did not say a word, but walked directly to Jesus. She removed an expensive flask of perfume from the box, broke it, and poured the oil over the Lord's head. As I watched her approach Jesus, I couldn't help but feel a sense of confusion, and to be honest, even a bit of disgust. Who was she? But as she poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair, I began to see something else in her actions. There was a reverence, a deep respect, and even a kind of love that I couldn't quite understand. She was treating Jesus like royalty, like someone of great importance and worth. I couldn't help but wonder what had led to that moment, to that act of extravagant devotion. What had Jesus done to earn her loyalty and her love? And why did she choose to express it in such a public and vulnerable way? The disciples reacted with indignation at the women's waste of valuable resources. But Jesus told them to leave the woman alone, for as he said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. He went on to say that her anointing was a fitting way to honor him and prepare him for burial. We did not pay much attention to these words. Surely his burial would be sometime in the far distant future. Little did we know that was to come just days later. It started with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, with the crowd shouting Hosanna and laying down their cloaks and palm branches in his path. I was there, in the midst of it all, feeling the energy and the excitement of the moment. But then things took a dark turn. Jesus was arrested, and I watched as he was beaten and humiliated. I was filled with anger and sadness, and I couldn't believe that this was happening to the man who had healed me and changed my life. And then came the crucifixion. I couldn't bear to watch, but I couldn't look away either. I watched as he suffered, as he cried out to God, as he gave up his spirit, and I felt a deep sense of loss. A sense that the world would never be the same without him. And it was so sad. Most of his followers scattered, ran away, got so afraid that the Romans were going to come after them too. <laughs> but then, but then came the resurrection. The event that truly changed everything. At first, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a trick or a hallucination. But then, I saw him 
I saw Jesus with my own eyes, alive and well, and I knew that it was true, that he had indeed conquered death and risen from the grave. And in that moment, I felt a sense, uh, a renewed sense of hope and faith. I knew that everything was going to be all right, that the love and power of God would always triumph over darkness and despair. And I knew that my life would never be the same again. So now, as I reflect on my life and the events that constituted that first Easter, I'm filled with gratitude and awe. I'm grateful for the healing and transformation that Jesus brought into my life. And I'm in awe of the love and sacrifice that he showed on the cross. And I'm filled with a sense of hope and joy, knowing that no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what happens at all, the resurrection power of Jesus is available to me and to anyone else who desires it, even to you.